Girlfriends, episode number 114, Three Ideas for Holy Week. Hello and welcome to Girlfriends. I'm Danielle Bean. I'm a wife and a mom, and I'm on a mission to help you know your worth as a woman so you can find peace, balance, and joy in family living. This week, I'll be getting you caught up on birthdays and engagement and other goings on in my life and beyond, as well as sharing three simple ideas for your Holy Week. Let's get going. Hey, girlfriends, how are you? I feel like I haven't chatted with you in a while. It's been a week, I guess, but since last week was kind of a quickie and then an interview that I'd pre-recorded, I feel like I haven't been connecting with you. Anyway, I'm glad you're here. I'm glad I'm here. I'm glad we're connecting again. I was kind of thinking this would be a shorter episode uh, for Holy Week. I've got a number of things going on anyway. I'm pretty sure a lot of you are busy this week. I was just looking at our calendar this morning. That I'm recording this uh, early afternoon on Monday and realized, uh, wow, it's going to be hard for us to get to Holy Week liturgies this week, but I'm going to make a valiant effort in spite of practice schedules and other commitments and that sort of thing, all the regular family life stuff that's going on. So speaking of goings on, we have a daughter who's engaged. This is so exciting. And I'm thrilled. And Dan is thrilled. Our oldest daughter, Katery, um, her boyfriend, Brian, proposed while I was in LA, the nerve, you know, I wasn't home for this joyous event, but it was, it was wonderful. We're very happy. We've just been waiting for this. We've been anticipating it, <laughs> waiting for this to happen. And we're thrilled to welcome Brian to our family. They're planning a wedding probably for summer of 2019. So we've got a little time, but I'm a newbie. This is my first kid um, to get married, to get engaged. So if you are a veteran of this, or if you've been through this before, I'm taking any and all Ideas, comments, advice, support, whatever you've got for me as a mother of the bride. I definitely am interested in ideas about keeping it simple and uh, budget-friendly ideas for a wedding because, you know, I, as much as I appreciate the big to-dos that sometimes people go to with weddings, well, first of all, we can't afford it. Second of all, my daughter's not into that. And third of all, I just feel like some of that really ends up being a distraction from what I hope will be a very holy, simple, joyous celebration. So anyway, I haven't even begun. I haven't gone on to Pinterest or anything that's going to totally overwhelm me yet. And I don't think Catery has either. We're just kind of enjoying the moment. It's beautiful. And the, what was most touching to me when uh, they announced their engagement was my littlest boys who are, well, now they're 13 and 11, but they were so happy. It was like genuine, super excitement about this happy event in our family life. So we're all thrilled to welcome Brian to the family and um, making all those plans. So as I said, send me all your, all of your ideas. So I just mentioned that Rafe, my Raphael is 13 years old. He just turned 13. Do you know what that means? I am once again, because this has happened before, the mother of five teenagers. <laughs> It sounds worse than it is. Let me just tell you that because uh, life is pretty good and I don't feel that overwhelmed by the teen years. Oh, you know, you could ask me in some moments and I will gladly share with you just how overwhelmed I feel by it. But for the most part, I I love teenagers. I love watching my kids get older. I love the people they're becoming, even during those struggle times, even during trials. Um, and I'm sure we're we're not done with those. But um, it's just funny to say I have five teenagers because that sounds insane. Um, 
and I won't by next September. Our Ambrose will turn 20 this coming September and we'll move out of the five teenager phase. And I haven't even thought ahead enough to see if I'll have five again at the same time. I don't know. I, I can't do that math right now. Why are you asking me to do math? I can't do math. I'm recording a podcast. That's enough. All right. Anyway, so I recorded from LA last week, and um, I just want to report that was a great, great Congress, great conference. It was wonderful to meet so many people, wonderful to spend time with Lisa Hendy, wonderful to spend time with my colleagues at Holy Cross Family Ministries, being new kid on the block, new team member. Um, it was nice to have that opportunity to bond with some of uh, my colleagues at Holy Cross Family Ministries, who are wonderful people. I really enjoyed getting to know them better and working side by side, bringing Catholic mom and other awesome ministries to the people out there in LA. And um, this past week, I was in Nashville this past weekend. It hardly even feels like I was there because it was one of those like 24 hour trips where I was in Nashville for about 24 hours. And um, what a great conference we had there, the Catholic Women of Faith Conference. Big shout out to Sherry, who organizes the whole thing and has done so for many years now. Wonderful people. A number of girlfriends listeners came up and said hello. I got a in the future, I've got to remember to write down people's names so I can give them a shout out on the next Girlfriends podcast, because it's always a thrill for me to meet people who listen to the podcast. And um, the people there were so welcoming. And it was a great day, a beautiful, beautiful day in Nashville of women sharing with other women, you know, and as much as the, the travel part is tiring for me, I really am energized and encouraged every time I attend one of these events in different parts of the country. And I see the great things that are going on in God's church all over the place for women of all different walks of life, all different kinds of events. They always have certain things that they have in common, but then each one has its own flavor, its own personality. And I love seeing it. I love seeing women getting together with other women to encourage and support each other in their vocations inside of the church. And I definitely came away encouraged um, in Nashville. It was great. And then I was back home yesterday when we were celebrating a little bit late, but Rafe's birthday dinner. I think I've shared before that um, on people's birthdays, we go around the table and everyone says something. It doesn't have to be your favorite thing about that person, but something that you especially appreciate about that person, um, a talent they have or some, you know, kind thing they've done for you or, you know, just an acknowledgement of the goodness of that person. And it's always so beautiful. And I'm always in tears by the end of it. And last night was no exception. <laughs> in fact, Dan got a little emotional. He usually goes, I usually end up going last, which I think is completely unfair because I'm a mess by the end, you know, um, and he was going second to last and I don't know if you're like this, but if I see my husband get choked up and it doesn't happen a lot with Dan, he's, you know, he's a guy's guy. But if I see all the more reason why, if I see that um, kind of emotion in him at all, I, I'm, I, I'm helpless. I'm a mess. I can't go on. And so I didn't get to take my turn last night. And now I'm feeling guilty. Dan is helping with me feeling guilty um, because I just I felt like, OK, this is just going to be a big, embarrassing blubber scene. So um, I'm not going to try to do this publicly right now, publicly inside of my family. But um, so I'm going to follow up with Rafe today and let him let him know what I would have said if I could have gotten it together last night. <laughs> but you know what? There are worse things to have happen than have your family love you so much that they're a mess talking about how much they love you, you know, so. Uh, don't feel too bad for Rafe. But anyway, I'm going to get to that. I did want to mention, just because this is so funny, and it's completely unrelated, you're going to think I'm a scatterbrain because I'm going from that topic to this one. Um, from my trip for, to Nashville, this is so funny, and this is not the first time this has happened. Um, I'm sorry if you are a TSA agent or if you are married to one or whatever. 
I know they're not all alike, but I have run into enough of these situations that a number of times, and um, I know other people feel this way because I've seen people share about it online. I come away from my experience with um, TSA in the airport feeling violated, (laughs) feeling like Am I a U.S. citizen or not? Do I have basic human rights or have they just been trampled on? And I'm not really, you know, I I don't truly mean my human rights have been trampled upon, but I do feel like we give up some basic part of our everyday rights to privacy when we fly. And I feel that Um, time and again, I feel that. But you know what? They make it. And I say they, and I'm thinking of, uh, you know, a few people that I've had interactions with in particular, make it more unpleasant than it needs to be sometimes. I definitely go out of my way, and I did this recently, when I see a TSA agent who's just normal and helpful and polite, um, I go out of my way to compliment them and and thank them, you know, for, for being that way. Because it's, sorry, not normally my experience with that particular institution. It's just bad. And and you know what? I, maybe it is is partly a consequence of the job because I don't want that job. Oh my gosh, I don't want that job. And uh, maybe like the stress involved in it um, that, that I feel like they're always screaming at people and it's just unpleasant in ways that I feel aren't necessary. Anyway, I wanted to share this funny incident because I did find it funny, as annoying as it was, that happened when I was flying out of Manchester um, on Friday, heading to Nashville, that my suitcase got flagged. And you know what? I know all the rules and I follow all the rules. And now they they keep adding new rules. Like you can't, like you got to take your food out separately. I'm even keeping up with that, you know, and going in the line, I know all the rules. I have nothing in my pockets. I've gotten rid of, you know, my bottle of water and I have my, my little liquids that I know what's allowed in my quart size Ziploc bag. And I take that out separately and I take out my laptop and it's in its own container. And I know all the rules. I follow all the rules. But still, like, I feel like half the time my suitcase gets flagged anyway. So that happened. And um, so then, you know, the guy calls me over and tells me to meet with him under the lights. And uh, so I do that. And, you know, he gestures over to me, first of all. And I go and I stand to where he gestured to me to go. Apparently, I was supposed to know to go on the other side of this counter thing. He was threatened by my presence on that side. So in a not really nice way, he let me know that, first of all, that I needed to get on the other side of the counter. Okay, fine. So I did that. And then he opens up my suitcase, which I have carefully packed. I am a really good packer by now. And I like, you know, I roll up my clothes. I I only carry one small, you know, carry on suitcase and make sure they're not going to get wrinkled. And so, you know, I had my clothes carefully packed in there with the shoes in just so. And, you know, the little buckle thing that holds everything together, I had buckled on top of it. And so he opens it up and then he unbuckles it and he starts to take out all my clothing. And, you know, just making a mess of it, which fine, I understand that's, <laughs> that's how we're staying safe, right? <laughs> Rifling through my clothing. Anyway, and, and then it's just like, you know, I'm, I'm very aware that I'm standing in a public place and this stranger man is touching my underwear. Like that's happening. You know, um, I'm feeling violated. And so that's happening. But then after he does that, he goes and he unzips the other half of the suitcase where I have some literature from catholicmom.com that I was bringing to share with the ladies in Nashville. And it's like these postcards with information about Catholic mom. And apparently that was the trigger. 
that was the thing. And so he picks that up and he's like, this is it. I'm like, okay, it's postcards. And so he, he starts going through like one by one through the postcards. And then he takes everything out of that side of the suitcase. Okay, fine. He found nothing wrong with the postcards. I don't know why that was a trigger, but fine. It was. And he put all of that back in, zipped it up. And then he, you know, shoves my clothes back in and, and then like, you know, the part they did unbuckled, he held up those two straps and he said, do you want this buckled? And I said, yes. And then he said, okay, well, I didn't unbuckle it. (laughs) And I was like, what? Um, Yes, you did. (laughs) And then he said, no, I I will buckle it for you, but I didn't unbuckle this. And I said, I just watched you unbuckle it. (laughs) And meanwhile, I'm thinking, is this really worth pursuing? And yet I'm so flabbergasted. Like, why? What? And I know I just watched him unbuckle it because I was very disturbed at the fact that he was unbuckling it and taking everything out. And anyway, I was just like, fine. You know, he just said, I didn't like you didn't. That was the last thing he said. And he like kind of laughed and said, you just watched me unbuckle it. No, you didn't. (laughs) And I was like, okay. (laughs) So he very graciously uh, buckled it back up and zipped my suitcase back up. And I walked away just feeling like, really? I mean, it doesn't make any sense in any way, unless there's some TSA rule that they're not supposed to unbuckle suitcases inside. And he had violated that and wanted to make it, you know, supposedly right by saying he hadn't, or if he's just playing some mind games, or if he's such a small person that he can push me around in some weird way by contradicting what I say, and I have to put up with it because I'm the less powerful person in that situation. I don't know. I just, I mean, mostly I was laughing about it. But at the same time, what the heck? And what if that was about something more serious or or more of a violation of my person? You know, like, what the heck? What's going on? Anyway, um, that is very consistent with a lot of my experiences with TSA. And Anyway, I'm in the process of getting TSA pre because of the amount of travel that I do and I can get it for free through my work. So I'm going to do that and maybe that will ameliorate it a little bit. I'm just tired of it. And maybe I've just been doing too much travel and I'm a little punch drunk about the whole thing. But come on, that was ridiculous, right? I mean, back me up here. That was ridiculous? Yes. Okay. Anyway, had to share that story. Anyway, and then finally, I just want to share, um, in case some of you have some advice to offer, um, or even just your prayer support for my family right now, nothing bad is going on. Actually, it's all really good stuff, but it's stressful. Um, So I've got a daughter who's graduating high school, figuring out where she's going to go to college. That's still up in the air. I've got that going on. Um, And then my daughter who just got engaged, she's graduating college this year, and she's putting together, you know, resumes, cover letters. She's going to interviews. She has one really good opportunity that we're following through with. See, I'm saying we because I'm I feel like I'm involved in every step of the way, okay? So I've got that going on. And then my son, who's in um, an engineering program at St. Anselm, he's finishing up his third year. He's going to begin two years at another school. Um, Originally was meant to be Notre Dame. It looks like it might be a different school now um, because he's applying at a number of places and he's going to choose the one that's the best, best opportunity for him. And so he's going through that application process. Meanwhile, also applying for internship opportunities for this summer for him. Um, in engineering in different places around the country. Every one of these things I feel like involves me inordinately. I mean, like, 
cover letters and resumes and can you read this over for me and um you know just questions about interview process and i'm like i feel like i'm applying for all these things i honestly feel that kind of stress so i need to first of all take a deep breath take a step back recognize that i can help and i can you know help edit and help with crafting a, a, a resume or a cover letter and i can help prepare for interviews and that sort of thing but it's not me. I, I realized the other night as I was like, you know, trying to get my own work done, but then like um, wanting to get to this um, cover letter and, and edit it for my son before I went to bed and it was getting late and I'm trying to squeeze this in. And the amount of stress I was feeling about this was like, it was my deadline. It's not my deadline. <laughs> so anyway, I, I just wanted to mention that's another thing that's been keeping me busy these days. And if you have experience with that sort of thing, like, I just feel like we as parents, every step of the way, uh, we're always needing to remind ourselves that it's it's them, it's not us, right? Like that this is, you know, my child's homework assignment and my child's job interview and my child's <laughs> struggle with some particular element of the faith or whatever it is. But we love them so much. We just were there and we're kind of present in all of those situations. And it can be exhausting. And I, I'm, I'm very aware of the fact that I don't want to over extend myself in that way. And I don't want to be, you know, uh, an overbearing parent either in any of these processes, even though, you know, our kids do need that support. They need, they do need that help and that guidance. And I'm, I'm happy to, in the different ways that I'm able to give it to them, but I'm struggling a little bit with that balance and just trying to find a balance there. Um, so that's it. Those are the things that are keeping me busy. I wanted to get you caught up. I feel like so much has been going on and there's probably more that I'm not thinking of. Oh, Yes, I just looked at my notes and I remembered, haha, one more thing. The Catholic Momcast has launched. We're calling it kind of a soft launch because we're not doing a big promotion because it just doesn't feel right to do that during Holy Week. So we're going to hold off and we'll do like a contest with social media next week. So you'll want to be looking for that. But the Catholic Momcast conversations about faith, family and fun featuring me and Lisa Hendy as co-hosts. Um, we've got a number of great interviews in the can. So those will be coming up. But we've already got two episodes out. Another one's going to release this Wednesday. So you'll want to be looking for that. Fun show. Fun to just have conversations with Lisa. Fun to have the opportunity to interview interesting people doing great work inside of the church. So um, definitely you'll be you want to be looking for that. I'll put a link in the show notes so you can just click over and subscribe. We're already in iTunes. You can also get the information um, on CatholicMom.com. And I'm working on this week getting us into Stitcher and Google Play. So people who like to subscribe that way can do that. So again, it's the Catholic Momcast. You're going to want to be looking for that and be looking for promotions coming out Easter week. We're super excited to share this new project with you. All right, getting to this week's topic, which like I said, I'm not going to spend a ton of time on, but I did just want to share some ideas with you about Holy Week because I think it's important to set it apart. Um, and that's something that I try to do myself and I'm, I'm planning to try to do. Um, and it doesn't have to be complicated. It doesn't have to be overwhelming. It doesn't have to be, um, you know, all encompassing. Just, I want to give you three different ideas and they are super basic for um, some, some ways to make your Holy Week set it apart from other weeks of the year, or in, if not the whole week, at least the, the Triduum, those, those three Holy Days at the end of the Lenten season before we celebrate Easter. So the first one, the first tip I have, the first suggestion is do something more. We've all been doing things for Lent and um, some of us have struggled and failed and gotten back up and tried it again and whatever it is. 
Think about something else, though, that you can do besides that. Um, or if you've totally failed, pick it up for this week. It's not too late and you haven't failed at Lent. You can uh, pick up whatever practice it was you started at the beginning of Lent that maybe you've kind of gotten out of the habit of or let drift off of your plate. Um, do something more. The something more could be something that you started to do at the start of Lent. It could be um, a continuation of what you started at the start of Lent, but maybe a little bit more. Um Maybe get yourself to adoration, or if you already weren't planning on doing it, get yourself to one of the beautiful liturgies taking place this week, or um, pick up the uh, the liturgy of the hours for this week. Pray with the church, at least for a few days, or say a rosary together as a family, if that isn't something you normally do. Just look for something, and it doesn't have to be huge, like, like you can see in these examples. Hey, if you don't want to do a rosary, Divine Mercy Chaplet is over much quicker. That's why my kids prefer it. <laughs> and uh, So if you don't want to overwhelm anybody, um, think about something along those lines, something more that you can do. And it doesn't have to be prayer. Um, it's great if you if you do incorporate more prayer, but maybe something like cleaning. Ha ha. Maybe there is a closet you've been dreading that you know you need to clean out. Maybe there's some gross job like cleaning out the garage or um, scrubbing out the bathtub that you've been avoiding. Maybe you totally need to clean out your refrigerator. Yeah, I'm looking at you. <laughs> Actually, I'm looking at myself. I need to clean out my refrigerator. Um, but I love the idea of cleaning during Holy Week. And I've always tried to incorporate some sort of cleaning. Sometimes I don't get around to it till like Holy Saturday. And I do, you know, a, a more in-depth house cleaning when I have the time to do that. Um, I just think it's a nice way to empty out decluttering. It's a great time to declutter. Lent, of course, is a great time to do that. Some of you have shared with me how you're, you've done and you've been doing the 40 bags for 40 days, like getting rid of a bag of stuff every day. I think it's a great idea. But if you haven't done that, you can certainly do that during this Holy Week. Get rid of some of the stuff that's cluttering up your life. Clean stuff out. Throw stuff away. Do that job that you've been dreading and that you've been procrastinating on um, that's sort of looming over you, whether it's going through a stack of bills or um, cleaning out, uh, you know, a kitchen cabinet or, you know, scrubbing a floor that, you know, needs it or whatever it is. I think it's a, a, I think incorporating work inside of your, your Lenten penances, inside of your practice for Holy Week. It's really a beautiful connection, just like, you know, the Benedictines connect prayer and work. I, I really think those two are um, naturally connected and, and make, you know, prayer a part of your work and offer up that work as a sacrifice. I think that can be a really simple way to kind of do something more here at the end of Lent at the start of our Holy Week. Just think about a way you can do something more. All right. The second one is the opposite of that do something less. Oh, this is what we've already been doing, right? People have been staying off of Facebook or not eating sweets or not putting sugar in your coffee. Well, think of something else you can do, you know, if not for the entire Holy Week, for the Triduum, for, you know, or if that's too much, then just think of something else you can do on Good Friday that can really set it apart for you. I really hate that in our, in our culture now, Good Friday is just another day. Like everybody works, the kids go to school. Like when I was a kid, they didn't say, or maybe they even did. We went to public school. Um, but they, I think they actually did say it was Good Friday. And that was why they would hold teacher workshops or something on that day. They wouldn't say like, we have it off as a religious holiday, but we always had it off. And I mean, 
of course, you know, kids going to school, that can be sacrificial and it's not necessarily inappropriate for them to go to school that day. But I really like the idea of setting it apart. And it's easier to do that if your family is at home together. It's easier to get yourself to a Good Friday service. It's easier to do, um, you know, Stations of the Cross at three o'clock or whatever it is that's going on at your parish if everybody's home from school. So um, I just like that. And like I said, I was going through the calendar this morning and there's a ton of stuff. I've got two kids that are playing on the tennis team, one that's running on the track team, two boys on two different baseball teams. So springtime sports always is extra around here. I've shared with you all about that before, that it's kind of a conscious decision that we allow springtime sports to invade our lives in ways that I never would be able to handle other times of the year because it is a finite amount of time and um, our kids really enjoy the activities they're involved in. So that said, it still is a major commitment. And um, when I was looking at this week, this morning on everybody's schedules, I was like, how are we going to do this? And I think the way I'm going to handle it is for sure those times when I need to be driving and there's no other option, I'm just going to accept that and offer that up. Um, but anytime that I can get myself to one of those um, true to him liturgies, even if it's only with some of my kids, even if it's only with one of my kids, I'm going to do it. So um, that's our that's our plan. It's not perfect, but it's a plan for the good to do. Um, anyway, I, why am I talking about doing something less? And I'm talking about going to one of these liturgies. I think, well, I'm talking about the number of activities. Maybe there is an activity that, you know, your family regularly does that you can cross off your list this week. Maybe there's something you normally commit to that you cannot commit to and just say, you know, that's good Friday. And I'm going to be going to a service at my church that day. You know, I, I think it's actually a really great witness. My son almost died one year when I called his baseball coach because he told me there was no way he could get out of practice. But I decided to call his coach and talk to him anyway and uh, let him know that, you know, this was an important religious observance for our family and that my son wasn't going to be at practice that day. And he totally accepted it. And as much as my son wanted to die, I think that was a good witness that our family made that here's a priority for us. And yeah, we're, we're happy to be a part of the baseball team and we take his commitment here seriously, but... It's not more important than God, you know? Um, so look for something like that, that you could maybe cross off your list this week. Um, maybe something fun that you normally do that you could cross off because you know what? It's Holy Week. It should feel different. Um, or, or even if it's um, some other kind of commitment that you normally make, um, find a way to make more time that way so that you'll be more freed up. And even if it's not so that you can go to one of the liturgies, be more freed up to spend more time in prayer and be deliberate about using that time to grow closer to God during this Holy Week. There's so many graces that God is just waiting to pour out upon you. And here's your opportunity to go and soak some up. So make sure you're doing something less um, in order to set this week apart. One last something less um, that I know a friend of mine is doing is not eating meat during all of Holy Week. Um, and that's a significant challenge. Sometimes it's just inconvenient, um, but other times it's really challenging. And it, I know I've even felt it on some of the, like I never wake up wanting like a sausage and egg sandwich for breakfast, but uh, on a Friday in Lent, it's very likely that that's going to happen. Just sometimes it's just knowing that you've made that commitment not to do something that makes it feel all the more tempting. Anyway, um, an opportunity like that, maybe it's maybe it wouldn't be giving up meat, but a different kind of eating practice or um, fasting from a certain kind of food or something during Lent. I mean, during Holy Week, even if you haven't been doing it all of Lent. Okay, the last idea that I want to share. So the first two were do something more and do something less, but really just in the spirit of encouraging you to set Holy Week apart. The last thing I want to share is go to confession during Holy Week. Maybe you went this past weekend. That's good. But um, look for an opportunity. Our 
uh, diocese has, and it's a great thing. Um, they have an opportunity for everyone to go to confession today, this Monday, the Monday of Holy week. Um, all pastors are being asked to make themselves available for the sacrament of confession between the hours of 11 and one and five and seven today, which is awesome. And I just went with Danny and Rafe and I wouldn't have had an opportunity to otherwise, because I was traveling this weekend and, um, Usually that little half hour or 45 minutes that a parish offers on Saturday, it's hard. It's hard for my family. I know that. And I hear from other people, it's hard to squeeze that in and get yourself over there. So this is a great opportunity. And there's probably either a penance service or um, something along those lines, if your diocese isn't the same as ours. In um, But there is usually more opportunity. And, and think of it now at the start of the week rather than waiting to try and go at the end of the week when pastors are overwhelmed with all the liturgies. Um, it's, it's a great chance for you to go get yourself to confession. And you know what? I was super inspired to go and take my kids to confession, especially today. And I'm, I'm planning to bring more tonight after tennis practice. Don't tell, but we're stopping at the church on the way back. Um, anyway, um, because there's so many graces to be gotten. I was reminded of one that I didn't even fully understand. Um, this past weekend in Nashville, one of the other people who was speaking there was um, Father Chris Alar, A-L-A-R. And um, he's director of the Association of Marian Helpers in Stockbridge, Massachusetts at the Divine Mercy Shrine there. So he's um, one of the Marian fathers there. And he was so great to me. You know, Father Michael Gately is one of the, and Don Calloway, Father Don Calloway are some of the more well-known um, Marian fathers. But uh Father Chris is very much along their lines in his uh, beautiful speaking ability and inspiring talk that he gave and dynamic personality and his love of divine mercy and his his desire and his zeal for spreading it. I, I really enjoyed um, his talk and his homily that he gave during the mass there. And one of the things that he kind of clarified for me was about Divine Mercy Sunday and the graces that are available um, for Divine Mercy Sunday. He was describing how, you know, you can get a plenary indulgence, right? Because the church teaches, and if you don't know all of this, this is not, <laughs> please do not take this as your crash course in plenary indulgence and what it means and what it is. Um, I, I, this is not this, I'm not that kind of authority, but a plenary indulgence is um, a, a way that you can, you know, through doing some, you know, the church teaches like through um, doing something a little bit out of the ordinary, perhaps making a visit to a particular um, shrine or um, something along those lines. And oftentimes the, the church will come out with certain ones, like there were ones during the, the year of mercy that were associated with visiting um, the official, the official year of mercy. Um, what do they call them? Doors. We had one at our parish. Um, anyway, so a plenary indulgence is a way to um, remove sin, right? and um, remove all of the residual <laughs> effects of sin. You know, the things that you'd have to spend purgatory burning off, the, the bad stuff that gets left behind. Of course, when you go to confession, your sins are forgiven, uh, but um, there is still cleaning up a punishment that needs, you know, there's, there's that purification that needs to take place. And a plenary indulgence, when you do it properly, is a way that you can not only have all of your sins forgiven, um, but also have that that punishment due to sin, that residual effect um, removed from your soul. And it's really a great thing, right? If you think about that, that's that's great because how many of us have, you know, 
gone to confession many times and and of course you know as as often as we can confess any grave sins that we're aware of but then there's you know we we're all very aware of the fact that perhaps we're not offering up enough to make up for the effects of that sin and that we're going to have to spend some time in purgatory as a result of that uh, a purification process but a plenary indulgence is a way to kind of wipe your slate clean but as father chris was sharing over the weekend one of the requirements for receiving a plenary indulgence, I think it's confession and communion and then detachment from all sin, including venial. Well, that's always been the sticking point for me. I'm like, why bother? Because I'm attached to like a thousand sins. I mean, okay. I don't know. I haven't counted them up. Um, But to not even be attached to venial sin. I mean, I think that's that's a pretty high bar. And though I've gone through the practice and um, att- attempted to obtain a plenary indulgence in various circumstances, I think there's always grace attached to um, making that attempt. And you you don't like there isn't some light that goes on over your head the minute you're completely detached from all sin. So you don't know for sure, I guess. But I've always kind of felt like, well, this is an imperfect thing because of that. Um, but anyway, uh, this is all to share with you the idea that Father Chris shared about the promise that our Lord um, expressed to St. Faustina about Divine Mercy Sunday and the promise that's associated with Divine Mercy Sunday. I'm just going to read to you here. I'm, I opened it up on um, EWTN.com. Um, according to St. Faustina, our Lord promises to those who go to confession and communion on this day, talking about Divine Mercy Sunday, which for anyone who doesn't know is the Sunday following Easter. So this year it's going to be on April 8th. Um, So our Lord promises to those who go to confession and communion on this day, the remission of the guilt and the punishment of sins. Okay, so this is um, the words that St. Faustina recorded that our Lord spoke to her. On that day, the very depths of my mercy are open. I pour out a whole ocean of graces upon those souls who approach the fount of my mercy. The soul that will go to confession and receive Holy Communion shall obtain complete forgiveness of sins and punishment. Okay, so that's the whole deal without that other sticky requirement that I always feel like holds me back from actually receiving a plenary indulgence. Um, Anyway, EWTN goes on to explain, many take this to mean that they must go to confession on Mercy Sunday. This is not true. To receive the benefits of the promised one must be in the state of grace. The Lord does not promise the absolution of grave sin on Mercy Sunday, but points us to the sacrament of penance. To receive the grace, we should be disposed. This is done by a confession near the time of Mercy Sunday. So you could go today. You could have gone last weekend. You um, you can uh, go the you know the weekend following Divine Mercy Sunday. That still would be near. Um, anyway, uh, the point isn't to be a stickler about the rules of this, but I was really inspired by what Father Chris shared about this is a unique opportunity to really gain these graces and really truly gain that clean slate. Like, why wouldn't you, why wouldn't you take, uh, take advantage of this opportunity and encourage other people to do the same? So I'm going to encourage you to do that. Get your butt to confession this week. If you haven't already gone in preparation for Holy Week, find out where it's being offered or make an appointment for it. But like I said, not inside of that intense time for priests, you know, during the Triduum, it's really hard for them to find extra time for that. Um, But make sure you get yourself to confession and then take advantage of this. Then you're going to go to mass on Mercy Sunday anyway. You're going to receive communion. So there it is. And just, you know, make that that prayer to intentionally do it of um, honoring our Lord's divine mercy. So I want to encourage you to do that. Join me in doing it. I'm encouraging my family to join me in doing it as well. 
wonderful time of year to just let those graces pour out upon you and your loved ones. Get yourself to confession. So that's my last little idea that I want to share for Holy Week. First, do something more. Doesn't have to be a big deal. Do something less. Doesn't have to be a big deal. And get yourself to confession in preparation for Divine Mercy Sunday, which is the Sunday following Easter. Maybe you have some ideas. Maybe you want to share some of the ways that you are celebrating and observing Holy Week this week. What are you doing to prepare for Easter? Um, I'd love to hear from you. Actually, I would love to hear from you about um, how your Easter celebrations go. So I can share some of those um, in an upcoming episode because our next episode is going to be after Easter. So um, you can always email me, danielle at daniellebean.com. Or if you have more ideas to share, or if I've totally messed up some of what I've shared here about plenary indulgences or Divine Mercy Sunday, set me straight. I'd love it. I need I need those kinds of people checking in on me. Um, so you can always email me, danielle at daniellebean.com. Connect with me on Voxer. Connect with me on social media. Send me a voicemail. Just record yourself on your phone and then email me, danielle at daniellebean.com. You know I would love to hear from you. Thanks so much. Hey, do you like what we do here? Do you appreciate having access to girlfriends every week? Is it helpful or encouraging to you in your everyday life? Well, if so, there's a convenient way that you can say thank you for the Girlfriends Podcast and encourage me to continue to record it. Patreon is a simple system that allows you to pledge your support for this podcast, show your appreciation, and encourage its production every week. At patreon.com forward slash girlfriends, you can make a pledge in any amount. Even just a dollar per episode makes a real difference and is a simple way to show your appreciation and support of Girlfriends please go to patreon.com forward slash girlfriends to find out more. Thank you so much. I also want to thank Ascension Press for partnering with me to bring you this podcast every week. Go to ascensionpress.com, click on channels to find out more about the free resources available there from awesome people, content creators like Jeff Cavins, Father Mike Schmitz. They've got videos, they've got podcasts. There's more than just girlfriends there. So go and check out all they have to offer at ascensionpress.com. Hi, Danielle. This is Jennifer. I am one of your newest listeners um, of your amazing podcast, and I am so inspired by it and just feel really blessed by so many of the topics that you've discussed. I've been Catholic my whole life, but pretty much a cradle Catholic and went to church on Sundays and checked the boxes and um, didn't really do a lot in between. And so now I'm just finding, um, I actually found you through CatholicMom.com and was able to buy some of your books and just do a lot of exploring this land and has just borne many fruits for my for me personally and for my family um they talk about you it's funny because i'm in the car and they'll they'll hear you on they're like oh that's danielle so i just wanted to thank you very much um i'm almost through all of your podcasts because they're great to listen to while i'm in the car or doing laundry or going about my day driving to work um so thank you for making things seem approachable um, with regards to, well, with regards to a lot of things about life, but with regards to our faith and ways to make it um, part of our daily lives in a simple and approachable way and not feeling like, wow, I can't even do half of these things, so I might as well not do any of them. Um, it's It's been great, and I look forward to hearing more from you. Thanks. Bye. 
Thank you so much for that positive feedback, Jennifer. That's um, really encouraging for me to hear that you feel encouraged by the podcast because that's really all I ever hope to do here is be able to serve people in that capacity and um, make even, you know, regular family life and faith life and how those two can mesh um, seem approachable and doable. And I, I love the real ways that everybody shares with me too, because that really is helpful toward me keeping that approach and not turning the perfect into the enemy of the good, which ultimately, if we could come up with a major theme for girlfriends, that's what I would choose. Like, <laughs> don't let it overwhelm you. Don't don't give up hope because you're not going to do it as perfectly as this other person that you saw down the road. So it's encouraging for me to hear that um, it's working for you in that way. And I love that you listen to it in the car with your kids and that they get used to hearing me because that's part of what I love about podcasts is that they're personal. It's like I'm sitting in the car with you and we're chatting. And I so appreciate that relationship that I'm able to develop with a number of different people in a number of different ways. So thank you for listening, Jennifer. And thank you for sharing that positive feedback. I really appreciate it. Next up, I want to share an email that I received recently from Marilyn. Marilyn says, hello, Danielle. I'm a new listener finding you after listening to you on the Sunrise Morning Show. My first podcast was your fasting podcast, and I loved your suggestions. I just listened to this podcast and was deeply saddened by the cruelty. Oh, she's referring to um, the one from two weeks ago in which a listener shared how she felt chastised by a nasty lady for bringing her kids to mass. And it was really discouraging and sad. Um, anyway, she said, I was deeply saddened with the cruelty your listener had to deal with. As an aside, I heard a priest once suggest that parents helping unruly children at mass is them fulfilling their vocation. Parents may not get a chance to hear all the readings, gospel or homily, but they are providing attention to their children. And that may be their calling at that moment. I'm not expressing this as eloquently as this priest did, but it's a reminder to me when I'm at mass to offer a smile to parents that are caring for unruly children. They are trying their best, and I offer a quick prayer for their sanity. I wanted to offer a tip I use with my four-year-old grandnephew at Mass. He loves to sing, so we sit as close to the choir as possible and follow along in the missal or songbook. I used to use my finger to point out the words for responses and singing, and now he wants to use his finger to follow along. His three-year-old sister is now following his example. Thanks again for your attention and dedication in putting out good Catholic and compassionate content. From Marilyn. Thank you, Marilyn. And I like that. Kids are very tactile. And when they're learning to read, they'll often, um, the experts will tell you, have them follow along with their finger or you follow along with your finger and uh, allow them to that kind of, um, you know, learning and following along that aid to their following along. I think that's great. Get yourself down to their level and, see, you know, see what might make the, the mass more approachable and more accessible to them. So that's a wonderful tip. And I'm glad that you're going with your grandnephew and his little sister. And the fact that she's following his example is not surprising to me. As I shared in that podcast a couple of weeks ago, it does get easier. If you have a number of kids, the older ones definitely start setting the example for the younger ones and take some of that burden off of you as their parents. So thank you so much for that feedback, Marilyn. I appreciate Appreciate it. This week, I also heard from a number of other people also um, sharing about listener Lori's experience. This is the lady who was chastised after mass um, in various forms of encouragement and support and just, con you know, commiseration and solidarity. I think we, we need to remind each other that we're, we're in this together. And um, I'm not going to read through all of those emails. But um, Lori, if you're listening, know that you're not alone and people are really feeling it and they're praying for you and they want to be encouraging of you inside of your Catholic community. 
at least as much as that lady was discouraging to you. So hopefully we here at Girlfriends can kind of pray you back to good spiritual health inside of your community and inside of your vocation as a wife and a mom. So um, let's remember, Girlfriends, to pray for Lori in the coming week, because that truly is a struggle and a battle. Okay, lastly, I just want to share an email that I got from listener Maggie. And Maggie's email stood out to me because in the subject line, she put, what would Danielle Bean do? (laughs) Good one. Um, So Maggie had a question. This is what she wrote in. Dear Danielle, I have been wrestling with an issue. And today, I couldn't help but think, what would Danielle Bean do? I have been married for almost four years now. I have disliked my engagement ring from the day my husband proposed and have mentally and emotionally not been able to let it go. I have done so much self-talk to try to give myself some real world perspective and to put these thoughts of dislike and disappointment in their place, but I can't. My husband knows that it is not my ideal choice and told me he wants me to be happy. We are in a place financially where I could replace the ring if I'd like. We have agreed upon a price range. Part of me is uber excited to pick something new out, but a bigger part feels guilty, ashamed, and materialistic. I can't help but think how small of an issue this is in the grand scheme of things, but I am so utterly consumed by wanting a new ring at the same time. It is almost a daily thought. I have prayed numerous times and can't come to a decision or peace. My overriding thought is who am I to buy a new ring when there are people in the world who are not eating? but I so want a new one. I feel petty and sick about it. As silly as it is, I can't make up my mind. And if I do decide one way or the other, I can't calm my brain and heart about it. Any insight to share? As always, thank you so much for everything you do for Catholic women and moms. You've helped me so very much. Sincerely, Maggie. Oh my gosh, Maggie, come on. (laughs) I I actually, I I really appreciate that you brought this to me because not everybody probably struggles with this, but we all do struggle with similar things. Like, who am I to, you know, go get my nails done when there are children going to bed hungry tonight? You know, we could do that forever. Um, But I think the fact that this is bringing you so much unrest is indicative that there's something going on here. You know, Um, I would just simplify it for you like this. Um, Your husband has made this decision, right? He's the one who gave you the ring and he knows that and he wants to please you. And he wants you to be happy. And he's even, you know, you've even gone so far as to discuss what is a reasonable price range. It's his decision. You know, Um, I I sometimes find a lot of peace in, um, you know, I don't spend a lot of time getting all angsty about submitting to my husband. We don't have that kind of marriage. And um, I'll I'll point you to some other podcasts if um, anybody's interested where I've talked about that very idea. Um, But where this is an opportunity for you to just obediently allow your husband to make this decision and then have peace inside of that decision that he has made and remove yourself from that. Um, I, I really would encourage you to um, using, you know, the price range that he's given, uh, allow him to give you this gift. And it really is truly meaningful. Like if your engagement ring is something that brings you, you know, unrest and unhappiness. And I don't even mean in like a petty materialistic way, but if it's just not something that's bringing you joy, it should be a symbol of something that's beautiful in your life. And if it's, it's bringing you the opposite of beauty and joy, then um, I think replacing it makes a lot of sense. You might consider selling the other one and donating that to charity or, or maybe adding to it so that it's the, the amount of whatever you're going to spend on the new ring and donate that to a charity of your choice so that can give you some peace about it. But honestly, I would really encourage you to look at this as a decision that your your husband has okayed it. This isn't something that you're, you're kind of going outside of your marriage and doing against his will in any way. He's been a part of this and he wants to give you this good thing. He wants to make you happy. 
allow him to do that. And then allow your, your wedding ring to be something that brings you joy and something that symbolizes something beautiful for you. The, the fact that your husband wants to give you this gift and that it's a symbol of your love and your commitment to each other. Um, I think perhaps uh, you're overthinking. <laughs> and I think you already know that by what you described in your email to me. Um, but that would be my simple suggestion. Just um, make a donation to charity, however you're able to do it. And um, in order to kind of balance that in your brain. But, you know, it's like I said, you could do this about anything. You could do this about anything that you're spending money on that you don't absolutely have to spend money on. And um, that's just a fact in our modern world and that we do live privileged lives and it's important to know that. But then don't rack yourself with guilt for for living out the light, your life in the place where God put you and, and looking to find joy inside of that life, inside of the gifts that your husband wants to give you. I think it's a good thing and you should look at it as a good thing and a positive thing. Um, but other people might have other ideas, other thoughts to share. I invite you to um, send me your ideas for Maggie or have you struggled with something similar and how did you resolve it inside of your marriage or inside of your life? We'd love to hear from you. You can send me an email, danielle at daniellebean.com. I'd love to share your ideas um, in an episode, you know, after Easter or you can, like I said, I love to add your voice to the podcast like our friend Jennifer did. You can connect with me on Voxer. There's always a link to connect with me on Voxer in the show notes of every episode at daniellebean.com. Or if you just want to record on your phone and then send it to me that way, or you can go to daniellebean.com on your computer. You don't need any special equipment. You can just hit leave voice feedback and it's as simple as pressing a button. I'd love to hear from you. Okay. In the meantime, though, I want to thank you just for being here. I want to thank you for your presence here at Girlfriends. It wouldn't be the same community without you listening, without you offering feedback, without you leaving reviews at iTunes. I see you. Thank you for the iTunes reviews that you've left. It's very encouraging to me, but also helpful in getting the word out to other people about the podcast, helping other people discover and become a part of our growing community here at Girlfriends. So thank you for all the ways you participate. But as always... Thank you most of all just for being here, just for showing up. I so appreciate your presence here. It truly is a gift to me. And in the meantime, I hope you will enjoy your Holy Week and have a blessed, happy Holy Easter. And I'll see you Easter week. Thanks so much for being here. Bye-bye. Girlfriends is a daniellebean.com production. Know your worth, find your joy. 